The Letters to My Body sub-series has had me thinking a lot about the world and how we navigate it. And it reminded me of a novel that I read last year called Heads of the Colored People by Nafisa Thompson. So I would like to start this episode with an excerpt from it. Most interactions were easier with Violet than they were with others. Violet understood things. Fatima never had to explain why she might wrap her hair in a silk scarf at bedtime, or why she always carried a tube of hand cream to prevent not only chapped hands, but also all-over ashiness. Those shared practices validated Fatima, and so did Violet's understanding of Fatima's fears about her body. Sometimes I just feel horrible about all of it. The sweating, the bleeding... I don't always feel like a regular girl, you know, Fatima said one day. But what is normal anyway? That's deep, Violet said, and explained that she too felt the weight of her body, because it did not look like what people expect black to be. In spite of her seeming confidence, Violet confided, she had a complex about her albinism. Fatima understood when Violet intimated that albinism marked her as both desirable for her lightness, her hair color, her eye color, and yet despised for some perceived physical untruth. Fatima had seen the way people glanced two, three times at Violet, deciding where to place her, and whether she warranted any of the benefits of whiteness. The nuances of these and other things, Emily... Fatima's best friend since second grade, just didn't understand. No matter how earnestly she tried, or how many questions she asked, like, why couldn't they share shampoo when she slept over? Or, what does for us, by us even mean? And why Fatima's top lip was darker than her bottom one? Fatima picked some theories about her lips. The thing about the brown top lip, and the pink lower one, Fatima had pieced together after what she learned from Violet and what she learned at school, was that you could either read them as two souls trying to merge into a better self, or you could conceal them under makeup and talk with whichever lip was convenient for the occasion. At school and with Emily, she talked with her pink lip, and with Violet, she talked with her brown one, and that created tension only if she thought too much about it. Welcome to Letters. I'm Alina Femalonje. This is the last episode of the Letters to My Body sub-series. And thanks to these episodes, I've spent a lot of time thinking about my body and who I am. And the parts of my body that I've had to explain to people. I mentioned in the last episode that when I was in school, one of my white classmates asked me why the inside of my hand was a different color to the outside of my hand. I remember when I was, um, I think I was like 12 or something, um, I had this white, oh, a, a white classmate, a white friend of mine, who, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I feel like I have. Um, but anyway, she, she, she was, we were looking at our hands. I don't know why we were looking at our hands and we're comparing our hands. And then she looked at my hand and she goes, why is the inside of your hand a different color to the outside of your hand? And I had, I had never, I thought about that because like my body's my body I know I didn't make my body 
it's not like I sat down and designed mm-hmm. my body and decided this is how mm-hmm. it should be. But she kind of, she felt, she felt like she could ask me that, you know, I don't think white people are ever questioned on why their body looks a certain way, why their skin looks a certain mm-hmm. way. But even at 12 years old, she felt entitled to, to ask me why my body was different from hers as if I would have the answers. I remember trying to think of an answer. It took me years to ask myself why she felt the need to ask me that at all. Why did I have to explain my body? Like mine was the anomaly and hers was the standard. This excerpt from Nafisa Thompson's novel echoed my sentiments and also made me think about how often people with disabilities are expected to explain their bodies, to justify their presence, to give reason for every act they take. Like when Tumeliwa was asked to explain why she could walk around campus properly if she was indeed short-sighted. So I was saying that, um, so you know, persons with amnesia are short-sighted. So when I was in primary school, uh, it was either myself or my parents had to approach my teachers to tell them about my condition so that I should be assisted accordingly. But then mm-hmm. there were times that um, the teacher would seem as if he, he or she has forgotten about my condition and then he would continuously use the chalkboard and then use words like this, that, here, there. And then, you know, I'm short-sighted, but I wasn't able to see whatever the teacher was saying. was trying to mean when he was saying this, that, here, and there. So, like, usually I felt like I was out of the class. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I got so emotional. Uh, so it, it, the condition also turned worse when I was in college, when I was uh, telling my lectures about... Uh, about my condition, they would say, but we see you moving around, meaning you're able to see it properly. Mm. So it was a problem that it affected my performance. Or when another woman with albinism was asked to explain why she was sexually active and not celibate. Uh, so one lady with albinism was saying that she went to access uh, sexual reproductive health services, but mm. then the medical personnel was asking questions that even herself, she was she wasn't happy the way she was addressed. So she was asked, do you also have sexual feelings? Mm. Uh, people like you shouldn't shouldn't be having sex, should live the mm. life of celibacy. So just because she has albinism, she shouldn't be sexually active? Yeah, that's what people think. Mm. People with disabilities have to explain themselves at every turn. And children with disabilities experience that feeling. The feeling that Nafisa Thompson mentioned in her novel. That sense of feeling the weight of your body earlier than the rest of us. According to a study done by the World Health Organization in 2019, there are currently 466 million people in the world living with some form of disabling hearing loss. In Malawi, 11.5% of children are affected with hearing loss. Jimwemwe Kamkwamba was one of these children. And today, she is the focus of this episode. Jimomo is a partially deaf Malawian woman and the current Miss Deaf Africa for 2019-2020. She is also an advocacy member for the Malawi National Association of the Deaf, MANAD. Here is her letter to her body. Dear body, my beloved, charming, strong, healthy body, the carrier of everything in me, You and I have a breathtaking history. At the dawn of my life, you were so little, 
tiny. Being born deaf, you may not appear perfect to others, but to me, you are very much flawless. God's own image that has blossomed into a woman through the spirit of his abundant love and care across the years. Skin so soft, glowing in the sunshine with a smile that brings a twinkle in people's eyes. I never want to change a thing about you. You can do anything except here. When everybody laughed at the teacher's jokes or prepared to execute the assignments from the teacher because it has been well perceived and all you could do was nod your head and laugh just as loud just so you could fit in. It felt like those days would never end, but with time indeed all things shall pass. So people may talk bad about you, but to me, you are the precious gold this I write to you both. You may not hear, but you have eyes to listen with. You may not speak, but you have strong hands to speak with. I adore you, and you are the greatest gift that ever happened to me. After a hundred lifetimes in a thousand worlds, I will still choose you because you understand my heart, my dreams, and my character. You see, body, they don't see you like I see you. You are such a beauty. The confidence, fearlessness, and fierceness are the source of my motivation to try out new opportunities. You have never wanted to be like anyone else because you accepted who you are. With that, you have achieved so much today. To some, the journey of learning to accept their body and self-love is a roller coaster ride. As for me, I can do it with my mind shut, eyes closed. You believe in hard work because you know and understand that being deaf and a female is a daunting experience. With so much expectations from people who cared and loved you the most, all the best remedy they gave you was, you should take all your issues to God. But you have prayed. They never did out of evil intentions, not buying you hearing aids, which cost a dollar or fraction of the fees they paid. But they gave you the best way they knew how. You have been looked down upon by so many able persons, even some high-profile persons with disabilities, but you have been determined and focused on everything you wanted to achieve. Body, in this life, nothing comes easy, buddy. You must be determined on what you want to achieve. There will always be others around you just to see you fail. Being a model doesn't mean you are too cheap or someone desperate for men. Many times, you will be tempted to fall for their traps. Be vigilant, body. Some will try to use you for their personal gains, enticing you through their sweet words and gifts to make you believe you are the source of your bread and butter, that you are the gate pass to spotlights and successes. You see, body, you are the temple of the Lord. Be your maker's joy to behold. You need to feel confident in yourself that you can achieve anything more. Body, people say I have a warm heart, but what would my heart be if you were in the one housing and protecting it? In you, I have a defense machinery, a vast transportation system protecting my different organs in times that I'm not even aware of. You see, body, I appreciate you because I realize that bodies are far more than just looking good. To conceive of you, my body as something simply to be looked at or to look at makes you an object. You are a living, breathing entity. You have taken me to different paths connected me with dear friends and lovers, and helped me live out my dreams. You are my very own universe, housing my spirit, and I will care for you as best as I can, with God's help. Body, allow yourself to experience whatever emotion comes up. It's okay to be happy, joyful, sad, angry, frustrated. All emotions are valid and part of the journey. You don't need to look them away for anyone. Be open to people's compliments and criticism. Your life may take an unexpected turn at some point and shatter all your dreams. 
I'm proud as a pie to say that despite all the constant frustration, you've managed to wear glitter every day. Keep shining, my love. Sometimes, you will be required to step out of your comfort zone because life isn't always a bowl of cherries. Be ready to bite the bullet, my dear. Bonnie, I believe in you. You always found a replacement of that lost dream, and here you are, Miss Deaf Africa, the feather in my cup. I'm so proud of you, and prayer that goes out there will be determined and focused just like you are. Thank you for allowing me to be the person I've become, with all my love and gratitude. Chimwe. I caught up with Chumwema on the phone, and we had a discussion about what it is like growing up as a partially deaf woman in Malawi. My name is Chumwema Mpwamba. And who are you? Uh, okay, I'm currently Miss Deaf Africa. I'm a student. And um, how did you become Miss Deaf Africa? Uh, okay, I'm a member at Malawi National Association of the Deaf, which is MANAD. Mm. And every year they receive uh, a letter, an application form from the organizers and teachers. Yeah, so I was chosen by the women's committee so that I can participate in the event. Uh, mostly they look at how confident you are, the foundation you have. So they looked at all the goals that they saw they had the potential, right? And I was the chosen one. Mm. In the excerpt I read at the beginning, the characters in Nafisa's novel spoke about speaking with different lips. How when she was with her black friends, she spoke with her brown lip. But when she was with her white friends and in a white situation, she spoke with her pink lip. She changed herself depending on her environment. She code-switched. As a Malawian who went to international schools, I understood what that meant. I understand what it is like to hide certain parts of yourself and tone down certain parts of yourself depending on your environment and not realizing that you're doing this until it's too late. Or sometimes realizing that you are doing it but feeling like you have no other choice. This thought came to me again when Chimwema was talking about how she had classmates that would laugh at the teacher's jokes, but she hadn't heard the teacher's jokes, but she would laugh anyway. She would hide the deaf part of her. There are only two ear, nose, and throat surgeons in the country, along with only three audiologists. When a child is affected with hearing loss in certain parts of Malawi, the family turns to traditional medicine as a solution. This was the case with Chimwemwe. Um, could you speak a little bit about yourself and um, about your your deafness and your experience as a deaf woman? Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if I was born deaf, but then I just remember my grandmother during that time. She used to pour traditional medicine inside my ears because I used to... Uh, they used to come out wax a lot, but then I had no idea that I was 
specially gift. As I grew up, this is I realized that I was special gift because I could see everyone like they could catch up fast on things and they could laugh at things and they could comment just in time. Well, it was different with me. I would just see people laughing and then be like, what's going on? What did they say? And I would make people repeat like two or three times for me to understand. So it was kind of tough because also the schools I went to, I was the only one in the whole school and there was no way I could be treated any different. Most people didn't know. I knew myself and those people who were maybe close to me, but then they didn't see it as a, a big challenge because I could hear just a little bit, you know, and I could also speak just like I'm doing here. Mm. So yeah, there was a time I gave up after high school. There was a time I gave up at like, uh, school. No, I should go back to school and then I should be laughed at, being called names at in class, you know, all that stuff. So I started I I have a talent, so I started salon. Mm. So I was working in a salon, doing people's hair and all that, and it was working hard for me. But then my parents were like, "No, you have to go back to school. You need to be somewhere." As we, as we, as we die, we want to be sure that you are somewhere. You know, you are able to work for yourself. You have the degree in your hands. So I was like, okay, fine, you know, try, I'll go back to school. But then I still didn't feel it, you know? Mm. Uh, I, back then, I never used to use hearing aids, but then came 2015, I got a pair of hearing aids and things changed. I went back to school in 2018 and it was all good. I, I, I was even surprised because he, wow. I'm this intelligent to myself, <laughs> you know, yeah, things mm. started working out for me. My grades improved and I was interacting more with people, you know. Mm. And we were do. I was able to do discussions with my friends and everyone, everything was just better and I was just happy that I went back to school. And it's just working out just fine for me. So, so before yeah. you went back to school, you didn't, you didn't think you were smart? No, I didn't think I was smart, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I was smart. Mm. But then things are just different now since they have taken a different turn for me. I can even do more. Chimamwe didn't think that she was smart. She found herself in classrooms where she couldn't hear what the teacher was saying. She couldn't understand what people were laughing at. And so she stayed silent. She didn't talk about what was going on. She didn't tell people she needed extra help. She felt bad for making people repeat themselves, and as a result, her performance suffered. The same way the woman with albinism spoke about not being able to see the board and getting tired of constantly telling teachers that they need larger print. These kind of school environments didn't help them grow. Children with disabilities begin to think that they are the problem that they have fallen short somehow, that they are not smart, that they are not intelligent, that they are flawed because we are failing to create environments that help them grow. 
It was after Chimamwe got her hearing aids that she realized that she was indeed smart, that she did enjoy school. And it was only when Emmy, one of the women with albinism from the first Letters to My Body episode, spoke up and fought for her rights, that she began to enjoy school, that she began to get good grades. We had conversations with uh, women with albinism and women yes. with women with disabilities as well. And so a common theme in all the conversations has been education and how how the education system is in Malawi when it comes to um, dealing with people with disabilities and helping people with disabilities. Um, so the women with albinism were talking about how when they were children um, and they were at school, they weren't really able to see the board because um, yeah. they're short-sighted. And they would tell the teachers that they can't really see. Um, and they would, every time they got exams, the, the, the print on the exams would be too small and they weren't able to really read it. Um, so when they told the teachers, we need the print to be bigger, we need to sit close to the board, sometimes teachers wouldn't listen and they had, um, bad grades in school. They weren't really passing their tests that well. And it was difficult for them to go to university. And I think, um, when you're in an environment like that, you also, you, you start thinking, maybe it's me, maybe I'm not smart, maybe I'm just slow. Yeah. But really it's because the environment isn't, it's not conducive and it's not helping, helping you yeah. thrive. So is, is, was that your experience at school as well, all the way? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I always sit in the front of the classroom, yeah? Mm. It was still, it was still hard, mm. you know? For some of the teachers, I would find them, their voice was slow, and then I couldn't just be asking them to repeat. So I just, I, I would just sit there and see, and just be like, ah, I will read when I get to, when I get to the hostels, or I'll read at my mm-hmm. own time, or something like that. But then I realized it was, it was just so hard for me, because now I realize that, I understand better when I hear the, the teacher in class. And when I go to books, it's even easier. Mm. You know, but then I didn't hear in class and then I go to my books. I feel it was just so hard to understand what was, oh, what was it all about, mm-hmm. you know? So I just said, ah, this thing, I don't think is my, my thing. Mm. I should just uh, do something else and other than waste my parents' money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there were no interpreters, so they no they had no idea. And I remember there was a time I visited the uh, VSS, you know it's inclusive, yeah. So someone asked me to go and uh, motivate the student the students thing. And the main thing was that they lost hope. They didn't know what they wanted, you know. They, they had no dream of themselves, you know. They just thought that after high school, there would be nothing else for them to do. They can't even go to college or something like that. But then I was like, no, that can't be true. And if you can just focus on what you want, everything's right, it's possible. But then the main problem we found was that interpreters, the teachers are not trained. The interpreters are not trained in the subjects that the children learn in that school. Mm. So it's very hard for the te- for the students to understand and to go ask them 
we didn't understand. Can you explain this again? It's very hard. Unlike a teacher who is trained maybe in, in physical science, mm. you know, and then they are trained in that subject and then they go to the students and teach them. They understand better because they know they are trained well in the subject. So these people, they just interpret what the other person is saying mm. and they can't explain it because they are not changing the subject, they are just interpreters mm. to interpret. So the students, the state students find it so hard to, ex- to understand and they can't go to a person who is able, who doesn't understand language to explain to them. It's, it's very hard. And they can't do discussions with their fr- the other able people. They won't understand each other. And they, they were a grouping, you know, they were groups. You find them, these deaf students, they interacting on their own. They are interacting on their own, which is not helpful for the other party. So I just feel there's a big gap that needs to be bridged. Yeah. Yeah. So you, um, you also use sign language? Yeah, I also use sign language. Oh, how, how old are you when you learned it? Uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, I started learning in 2015. 2015? Yeah, 2015. Oh, okay, so you All were... alone, I had no idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I didn't know there were so many deaf people out here. Mm. Until I started doing this, so I started, until I started meeting and interacting with deaf people around here. I realized we said there's so many in the country and struck one. Mm. So when you were younger you you didn't have um many friends that were also deaf? I had no friends that were deaf because I went to hearing schools and my community there was no one that I know of that was deaf. Mm. Until I started to understand languages, that's when I started meeting these people, learning the signs and all that. Mm. And I know, I know a lot of them. Yeah. Them. Yeah. I think uh, sign language um, breaks barriers between hearing and de- and deaf people. If we were all able to learn sign language it would it would bring a lot of people together because i think right now a lot of the deaf community probably feels um alienated from the rest yeah. of the country because we we aren't taught sign language i feel like it should be, it, should, it should be taught in schools everyone yeah, should be learning that, sign that language is, that's what i was thinking right uh as i would be meeting the ministers and i'll bring it on because i wanted i also wanted that maybe they should just select a class, you know, maybe from one or maybe in primary school, you know. Mm. They should just teach the best books mm. of sign language. And then those people will also, it won't be hard to accept us, you know. Mm. And when they come across that person and that person is asking them maybe for directions, they'll be able to show that person in science. Mm. And uh, maybe it, it can even help them, the play. Maybe they can have kids who are deaf. It won't be so hard for them to accept that my kid is deaf. Yeah. And this is how I'll have to help him or her. Because it's very difficult most parents to know how to sign. And they can't know this. They feel, they find it very hard to accept that child. And then they just take that child and just put them in some school. Mm. You know? 
without them meaning they sell nonfish themselves. This is very hard and the child feels unwanted. They grow out of love. Throughout this sub-series, I keep coming back to race. I keep coming back to what it is like to be a black woman. And I keep coming back to what it's like to be a black woman navigating white spaces. But that is what I think of when I think of my body. Those are the times when my body has felt least like my own. So when these women that we are interviewing speak about not feeling welcomed and not feeling like they belong, that's where my mind goes. I would like to end this episode and I'd like to end this sub-series with a soundbite from a conversation between Lorato Uchizi and I. There was something that Lorato had said that didn't make it into the last episode. But she spoke about finally coming to a place where she accepted and loved her body. And if there's anything that has recurred throughout this sub-series, it's been acceptance. All the women have spoken of it. Acceptance not because you want to, but because you have to. Because you have no other choice. Because this is the body you've been given. And you have no choice but to accept it. Remember, I remember doing a drawing exercise. It must have been like beginning of primary school i don't know how i remember this but it must have been like in pre-k or something and we were drawing faces and um i was also in a class where um i think yeah so i was i was, I was my friend also was like pass me the pass me the skin color And I remember the skin color in my mind was peach. It was, you know, pinkish, peachish. That's okay. skin color. That's nude. That's the normal. Even now we say nude is like, it's not, it's not brown skin. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like all these things that you, you subconsciously, um, you subconsciously make yourself inferior through language and the like. So I think that um, for people with disabilities, it's, it's probably amplified but um yeah i think for me personally I, I came to a place at the end of um school um probably when i was about 15 or 16 and i think that was even when i like started experimenting started cutting my hair and all that stuff um but i, I came to a place in myself where um i started to love the fact that i was different and i loved the things that the media made me feel weird about. I remember even just my hair. I remember like going to a sleepover and my friend's mom was um, white or mixed race. I can't remember. But there was like about six six of us, six girls. And there were two black girls. The other black girl had braids, but I didn't have braids. And we were about to go out for dinner and she was like um, doing our hair. And I remember her saying to me that, yo, I don't know how to do your hair. Um, so I remember thinking, I remember looking at my, the way when she was straightening my white friend's hair and I remember thinking, why can't my hair be so long and gracious like that? But I got to a point at the end of school when I was like 16, 17, probably also because I was seeing more black faces online when, um, when, what is this? Tumblr. When Tumblr came about, I was Tumblr. seeing a lot of black women beautiful black women and i just felt like wow, wow they're so beautiful and there was this website black black girl in ohm 
there was this website black girl long hair and i used to always just visit those websites and i started to feel like hmm i like being different i like being who i am black woman and that's just become my identity so yeah i think that it is important to come into yourself regardless and accept your body as it is I just love myself. I just love what I have become today, even though I'm still, but then I'm able to do things that other people are failing to do, you know? Mm. I'm able to achieve things that other people feel like, uh, I can't do this thing, but then they look down on themselves. I used to do that, but then now I look at myself differently. Mm. But I came to accept what I am. I can't mm. accept how I look. I can't accept that I'm deaf and nothing is going to change that fact. Thank you for listening to this episode of Letters. The music in this episode is brought to you by The Dream Manifest. If you like our content, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. This helps to make sure that more people have a chance to hear the podcast. You can also go follow Warner Collective on Twitter and Facebook at Warner Collective and on Instagram at Warner underscore Collective and on YouTube as well. All the letters featured here are also available as visual animations on our Instagram page and our YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening to this episode.